Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline, with my co-host, Mina. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today we are going to talk about creative ways to gain visibility and moving the needle forward to increase sales. We really want to focus on how you can get your boots on the ground, what you can do to get dirty, get your hands dirty, and really move that needle towards getting more sales. We all talk about visibility. We all talk about social media, but is there a return on your investment? That is the goal. Sales, sales, sales. That's why we all have our businesses. So Mina, let's chat with our listeners today about some of the the key things they can do to increase their visibility. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that we are hitting a lot of this in our mastermind and in our Facebook group community. People are wondering how they can really leverage social media, but more so they really need to be thinking out of that social media box. You know, what could they really be doing to move the needle forward that's has a more has a bigger return on their ROI that they're testing out things besides social media so they're not putting all their eggs into that Pinterest basket or that Instagram basket this is really to open up those creative ideas and to get you thinking and moving and hitting that pavement so we were talking about how the grass is greener or that sort of like social media envy like Facebook envy Especially within our masterminders, there there are people in all different levels. So we've got seven-figure businesses. We have people that are just launching. There is a mix in the group. And everyone thinks that the grass is greener. Oh, this person's successful because they're getting X amount of sales or they've had they have this many followers. And the the thing that we wanted everyone to realize is that everyone's in a different place. Their product, their product category, their customers, everything's different. And everybody has this alternative way of selling. One thing might work for one and not for the other based on the product that you're working with. Yeah, for sure. And in, even in that business, certain things not, might not work with that specific timing. So like you might hit a wall because of the specific season or just how, how much data you have as far as like the sales and the information that you have on your own business. So what we wanted to talk to you all about were some key things that we think would help you think outside of the box on really getting, getting more sales and gaining that visibility. So we, like Mina said, that Pinterest box, Instagram, you know, those are the, those are the key shiny things that we all talk about. You know, people are building podcasts off it. There's courses you can take, but in the end, we're a product and we're slinging product. So if you have to sell it out of like the trunk of your car, you're showing at a, showing up at a flea market, whatever it is, we want you to sell because by selling, you also are sort of getting data. So you're, you're getting that data of what works, what customers are attracted to. And the way that I found to be most successful being a product-based entrepreneur sometimes is like face-to-face with my customer and hearing that direct feedback and seeing what they reach for on the table or what they pull off the rack or what they come back for seconds on if they're tasting a food. What would, would you, what would you have to say about that, Mina? 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's all in the sales pitch. No matter way, where you are or what you're thinking, you're always having to have a sales pitch. This is just like when you're having to describe yourself or your product to your neighbor. You're selling, you have a sales pitch. And this these are just different ways that you can really hone that sales pitch and think of it in a different way where you're not constantly selling on social media only. Yeah. So leading into that, then I think when you know your sales pitch and you know your customer, your customer avatar, which we did in episode 16, hello, ideal client avatar is cross marketing with an aligned biz. So basically if you can find a business that's out there that has they align with you and your target customer avatar, then that is a great place to align and collaborate with to try and cross promote products. Yeah. So you're cross-marketing and kind of offering this full range of services in a way because you serve the same person, you serve the same avatar. So it's a great way of reaching other people's markets, but really hitting what their needs are too. So you're kind of, it's a win-win situation for sure when you're cross-marketing. So we were talking about product earlier that like, let's say you're doing a baby product or like an infant newborn product. And you could think about all that new moms would need that product. Okay, sure. You can go on Instagram and find, you know, mom blogs and whatnot, but who's dealing with that new mom in the very, very beginning? Like who, who works with her one-on-one? It could be her pediatrician. It could be a nanny service. It could be doula. A doula. It could be a, a, lactation consultant. You know, if you think about the people that like a new mom has access to because you're pretty isolated, then who could you align with or pitch your product to? So if you're doing something for breastfeeding, for example, those would be the people that you'd want to approach to then promote your, let's call it, I don't know, like a bra, like a nursing bra. If you wanted to pitch your nursing bra to new moms, align with the people that they are working with as well and that they're paying and employing and getting services from. Yeah, because they probably have clients. They definitely have clients that are local. They're serving, you know, moms that are in the hospital setting, for instance. They're serving, they're working with nurses in a hospital setting. They're working with different, other different consultants or service industry people that you might be able to align with as well. And it's not so much where you're collaborating with them so you can guest blog on a post and have it be online. This is like we were, what we were saying, boots on the ground and really connecting face-to-face or you know via Zoom if you are not local, but also being able to get locally in front of the, the, the end client, the end customer. Yes. So we also have a client in the fitness industry and she's aligning with a social media influencer that has nothing to do with the fitness industry, but does stuff with nutrition. And so they're going to cross promote because it makes sense for their to, their customer who is the same customer ultimately, but they would come to them for two different needs and wants. Yeah. The industry that does this really, really well, that reminds me of is the wedding industry. So the wedding industry is very, like very niche. They serve the bride, right? And they have event planners that refer makeup artists, for instance. So makeup artists, tanning, um, spray spray people, salons, everything like that, that the bride needs for her big day. So the wedding, when you're thinking about people you can align with, think of people like that. They, there's the DJ, there's the videographer. There's so many people in every single industry and in every audience that aligns with what you're doing and really you, you're able to cross market and cross promote your services and products. 
Yep. They're the original influencers, like outside of social media, you know, I mean, they're literally are working one-on-one and we were just saying, what would our clients do if they increased their sales? You know, like if you went from one sale a week to 10 a week, because even if you just got 10 orders all of a sudden on your phone, because your, your affiliate or the person that you're cross-marketing with had an event and they talked about it and everyone, you know, because it's that no like trust factor, they already know like and trust that person that they're an expert at something. So then if they're all of a sudden recommending the spray tanner to you, you're going to be like, yes, I don't have to worry about like that going wrong. They've tried that person. I'm not going to end up looking like a new Loompa. Great. I've got it. You know, and that's basically, that's the beginning of you. I always talk about a snowball. So that you start small. You start as a small snowball that starts to go down a hill and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Let's start small, you know, something attainable, small wins that will keep you motivated to keep going. Yeah. And no connection is a lost connection, honestly. Even if we're not saying that you need to be connecting with people, only people that are useful to you. Connect with everybody and connect with people that you, there's no connection that's a bad connection. You'll always learn something from that relationship. So meeting just any person within your industry, that could lead to something long-term that you don't even realize. And then also it could definitely just make you a better business person and and a better person personally too, that person might benefit you. So this has happened in our masterminds and it's happening in our Facebook group right now. But basically in our masterminds, we didn't even think about the fact that we had brought in some, we had brought, we actually brought multiple people together that they voxer each other and they chat outside of our mastermind and also the connections that are being made in our Facebook group. So for example, you might be there and you might have a, you know, something you're trying to attain. So you have your product, you want to know how to sell it, blah, blah, blah. You have no idea if another person in that group, maybe when we, let's just go back to that, the medical scenario, that someone else might be a pediatric nurse that works in a hospital in labor and delivery. And she might all of a sudden know, you know, pediatric nurses that she can connect you to, to talk about your product. So basically what we're saying is that like these connections, just getting yourself out there and starting to talk and be in these groups, especially a product-based, let's say Facebook group, allows for you to make connections that we all were doing something else before we came up with our product. We, you know, it goes from a side hustle to hopefully a business that can support your family and get you on private jets and all those fun things that we all (laughs) like aspire to have and to be. So just never knowing who you reach out to and who you chat with and what their connections are going to be like, oh, I actually have a friend that owns a kid's store blah, 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 blah. Or I have a friend that has a small grocers or a small market and they can like totally supply your snacks in there. So just, just putting yourself out there. So leading into that, what's another way that they can increase their visibility? Another way that's been really popular right now. I mean, we're talking on one right now is reaching out to podcasts and not necessarily where you, so you're, you know, like we say, we're, you're slinging product, right? Not necessarily being a sponsor of that podcast, but instead just revealing your story, the story behind your own product. So perhaps you sell, like we have the example of being you know, a mom that's created a baby product, you could get on podcasts that are the birth story podcast and then talk about your birth story or talk about, or any, any part of your story where you're able to become more visible on a different type of platform. So this, you know, when we're talking about podcasts, it's about being in front of somebody else's audience and then connecting with them with your story. 
Yeah. So we have a client that's a plus size collection and she wants to think about how to be more visible. So let's just say there are podcasts. I mean, I know I follow women on Instagram that it's all about like loving your curves and and that sort of thing. So she could get onto a podcast to discuss how she's serving their listeners, you know, so she could pitch herself as somebody that is, I mean, more or less, is she an expert in body types? Well, maybe because she's creating plus size clothing and she knows maybe what her customer needs and wants and how she's servicing them. So it could be how that's, how that was created and, and promoting that, or maybe she's teaching something, you know, maybe it's like, maybe she's going on and she's teaching how to dress for your body shape. And then in turn, she's also an expert because she has a clothing line that supports that. So just thinking of like creative ways to pitch yourself. Yeah. And a podcast is a great way just to have a conversation, but allowing other people to listen in on it. So it's like a different way of selling because you're not really selling anything. You're just telling your story. And people are obsessed with podcasts, honestly. I mean, Jacqueline and I, there was there have been times where we where we've thought, is anybody out there even listening? But luckily, we've had some people respond in our Facebook group, which we totally, totally love. People reaching out and saying, I love your podcast. You guys are great. And you know, we've loved all this information about products. So that really just... We know we're resonating somewhere and that's the whole thing about podcasts. You're resonating with, you know, one or two, it could be one or two people, honestly, but still, you know, that you're hitting somewhere, you know. And that's exactly, exactly what happened actually this weekend is we had someone say that they love the podcast. They've been to listen to it. They showed up in our Facebook group and then started asking questions from the podcast, which then led to us chatting and like, and having this this conversation in the group that also then for us, what we sell is we sell our one-on-one strategy sessions, let's say, or we sell our masterminds. So by her liking what she heard, created, like created the link between her and us. And then who knows if one day, you know, when, if we open up, when we open up our mastermind again, you know, she'll end up in there, but it's really just that you're trying to market yourself and you can get really big and you can try and get a publicist and you could try and get, you know, onto influencers, but really who's better than yourself to sell your product, which leads you into making sure that you do have your sales pitch. Yeah. A call to, uh, some sort of, I say call to action in your podcast, but really it's some way to, somewhere to direct those listeners. So it's actually quite hard when you're sponsoring a podcast to be like, Hey, go to my website and go here. That's why I don't really encourage people to if you're a product-based business, there's a little bit of a, a disconnect because people can't see the product. So you're asking them to quit their binge listening and to go on to this website and then use this coupon maybe. So it doesn't have, you know, it's a little bit harder of a call to action. Instead, you here, the strategy is just to tell your story and they resonate with you on a deeper level, which makes them want to check you out more and follow you and become your friend, essentially, maybe find you on social media. So your call to action could be instead, follow us on Instagram, you know, you know, find me at the product boss on Instagram. And that is an easier way for them to connect with you rather than to go to your website and make a purchase. And so just like as an example of visibility, I used to work for a celebrity. She had won an Emmy. I mean, she was on like a number one show, just she had a ton of visibility. And in that, we were given the opportunity to do a lot of sort of like runway shows. So we traveled the country. We did shows like in Miami and New York. We were on The View. We were on the Tyra Banks show. I mean, just a ton of stuff. 
And even when we did Vegas, so the, the show that Nina and I just came back from, the purpose of the Vegas, the magic show is basically it's where you're selling your collection for the season that you're selling for, for spring, summer, fall, winter. So we did at Tao, we did a runway show. We had, we, you know, we had tons of people there, but it was a party. And so there was not, it was a party. And so it was not a place that people were buying. So was there a return on our investment? I don't think so because then we were at the trade show and then I sat there in the booth and made zero sales. So you have to think about the the ROI on it all and the visibility and what you're doing and the effort in versus what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, lots of visibility, even if you're a celebrity, might not result in lots of sales. So you really have to have a clear vision of where you're directing those people. It could be in sign up for my email list. Could be, you know, like I said, find us on Instagram, any of those things. A very clear call to action where you're getting to connect with them later off the platform. Yeah. So if you can't get sales, you're at least trying to get email addresses so that you can connect with them and you can continue to connect with them as your company grows. And as you, you start to promote new things, or if you are going to be on a podcast or whatever you're doing, you know, you're aligning with somebody and they're going to have an event and you're kind of pitching that, like go to this event where so-and-so is going to have my product on display. Yeah. So the next one, the next way that we thought of getting more visibility is something that's so popular right now, and you're only going to see it more popular, and that is subscription boxes. Subscription boxes are popping up everywhere, and they're not even like monthly ones. Some of them are bi-monthly. Some of them are quarterly, you know, so there's so many different people are really making subscription boxes their own for sure. So there's makeup ones, there's Harry Potter ones, and there's a subscription box for everything. So that's another way to connect with a subscription box and see if you can get onto there. So we had this conversation then about, for example, Stitch Fix and how Stitch Fix is like the subscription box for clothing, but that, that shouldn't be your goal. So it's the same way that when people come to me and they tell me that they want to go directly into Nordstrom's or Target or whatever they're, you know, whatever gigantic store they want to be in, but that's, it's too big. They don't take new products. They don't take things that are not tested in the market. So again, I'm going back to that snowball idea. You have to start small. You have to start kind of really knowing your product, knowing what's performing well, testing the market, testing, testing different platforms. So subscription boxes are smaller ones and there's bigger ones. So Mina, I know you've been in a lot of subscription boxes. Yeah. The advantage of getting into a ton of small ones is that they're willing to pay you a little bit of something. Whereas the big ones, they might even have you pay or they might pay you nothing. You have to contribute for free. So the smaller ones, they might even pay you up to wholesale. So try to get into the small ones that are like around you know, maybe a hundred subscribers to 500 or less than a thousand. And then negotiate with them because there's usually one person that you're negotiating with to help you figure out what the best arrangement is for your particular brand and being in the box. We actually have an interview, which is coming out next Thursday with Julie Ball. She runs Sparkle Hustle Grow, and that is a female entrepreneur box, and she's really grown her business. So that podcast episode will be all about getting yourself into a subscription box and what that takes. And then we'll be able to dig a little bit deeper on the details of how she runs her own box and, and what types of things she's looking for in brands. So pulling that back to our first point here about aligning with customers. So or aligning with the same customer avatar. 
So I found out about Julie Ball and Sparkle Hustle Grow because somebody gifted me the box. So I signed up to work with a consultant and her thank you to working with me was a box from her. Got it. I had no idea. It was like an entrepreneurial, like female-based box, which I thought was fantastic. And then what did I do? I turned around and I gifted it to my clients for Christmas. So that's how basically... I am a CEO. I've got my own clients. I've got a business and I also have very similar customers. And so I was basically gifted a product, then bought that product and gave it away to my clients. So right there is that sort of like chain of events that went from one purchase to me. And then I think I bought four or five subscriptions after that. Yeah. I mean, just imagine that's off of one purchase. And so then those people that got that gift box from you might be purchasing as well, you know, and just think, oh gosh, don't you just love like subscription box model? You get reoccurring monthly revenue. That would be the best, right? So one of those people could have subscribed and then that could be reoccurring money for Julie Ball, you know? But then also then for you and your product, if it's in there, for example, you're not in there every month. So that's true. And so, you know, if I bought, if I got it last month and then I sent it out, your product may not be going out again. But if you just want to talk about all the people that got it that month, they might love it if it's something that they need and want and they've tried out. Cause that's the point of these boxes that you're getting into the hands of these customers. They get to try it out for free. They love it. They're just going to go and buy it again from you because you're the place that they get it. Yeah. And the times that I've contributed to a subscription box, I've always started with my most popular product and I've pitched that. This is my most popular product. It's done really well. I'd love to contribute, you know, thousands of this if I could. And so I've started with that. And then in another box down the line, like let's say in camp season, I pitched clothing labels instead. So it's another way of cross-marketing or cross-promoting your own products to the same subscription box because you've already been in there. And that's a great point though, that it was your best selling product because you don't want to give your worst selling. Like you're not trying to clear out of inventory on a subscription model because that's sort of like your one chance to impress these people for them to be like, oh my God, this is awesome. I need more. So if you're selling your least favorite item and that's, you know, knowing what you're, you need to know your brand, you need to know your products, you need to know the the data on them. So basically if you sell, if you give them your best thing, they're going to love it and it's going to leave them into buying more. Yeah. And even if you can break even, think of it as a marketing opportunity. So even if you're, you know, minus a dollar on every single one, your marketing budget could just have that subscription box as a marketing strategy. And, you know, and then you're able to see if that had any return on investment of being in that box. And talking about the subscription box model, the end user, the end customer is usually a blogger or some you know, person that's unboxing. So that's a, there's an experiential part of it where they're unboxing and they're showing what they're getting. So there's the possibility of them promoting it even more because they're a person of influence, influence, even in the dozens, you know, like famous among dozens, right? You know, so they, they get into that mentality of showing their own experience from it. I think there is something that you really only need a thousand true fans. If you have a thousand true fans of something, then that's, enough. So you might want a hundred thousand people to follow you. You might want 15,000 people to follow you, but if they're not true customers or fans, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, like, yeah, you get a bunch of likes, but are they buying? Cause that's what it needs to come down to. Like, are they buying? Or are you making money? Yeah. So the next one we've already, we've been talking about this a ton. So we're just going to spend a little bit of time on it, but it's the trade show strategy. 
Trade show strategy is full of ups and downs, let me tell you. It is a roller coaster for sure. So then it can bring in lots of money, but it can deplete your cash flow like a ton as well. But when you have a strategy going in, like what we've talked about, it can be really beneficial. Totally. So thinking about the trade shows, there's, there's a few different versions of this. So there's the wholesale trade show. So those are basically when you go to market where buyers will be at that market and they're buying wholesale. So if you're in furniture, if you're in food, if you're in clothing, whatever it is, if you're in home goods, children's wear, children's products, toys, there's a trade show for your product. And that's when the buyers go. So if you sell toys, there's a toy show and there are toy store buyers there. That's traditional. Then there's all these other types of markets that you can do, like whether you're going to a flea market. And I, when I had Cuffs Couture and I launched it back in the day and I had product, I went to the passing of the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles and got a small booth and I set up. And let me tell you, like maybe I didn't make that many sales, but one, the experience was fun. Two, I was interacting with customers and I was, I was really able to see what they liked or didn't like. So instead of being online where you know, you have no idea how long they're on your site, what they're looking at when they jump off, unless you do some sort of site heat map. I was able to sort of see that and talk to them and get their interaction. I think the best thing about a trade show is that it is your biggest course in sales. <laughs> like it is hardcore selling and you have to be at your best. So if you want to train your staff, send them off to a trade show and they will get you know, the highs and the highs and the lows of the lows for sure, because there's some people that just won't talk to you and some people that love talking to you and you get, it's a fast learning curve. You, you figure out what your pitch is and what works and what doesn't work. And there's, and so think about this also. So there's also the, not the return of, cause it's been here for a while, but farmers, the farmer's market, right? So there's certain products that, that can be taken to a farmer's market. There's also farmers markets that have really long wait lists to get on because they've got their vendors and you can't necessarily get in. And those are, let's say like, those are your top priority. Those are, those are the lists that people really want to get into whatever it is, but you can't. So then you work your way down the list of what farmer's market can you get into? It's like those sub markets. So again, like when I lived in LA, there was a small farmer's market kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it was busy. It was the locals and it was busy, but it wasn't the one that happens like in Santa Monica or in LA where I mean, those are like the places that's where trends are created and formed. And that's how, you know, businesses really get going. But again, like you're testing that product, you're seeing how people respond, you're seeing what people buy, and that's going to lead you into knowing then what to pitch, you know, what to pitch if you're trying to get into a box, like a subscription box or what you should really focus your, focus your time and efforts on. Yeah. The best thing about a in-person trade show is you can pretty much gauge if they're worth your time or not. Even with Jacqueline and I going to the magic source, sourcing at magic trade show, we pretty much had to figure out whether or not it was worth the two of us going and talking and giving people free consultations and, and, and basically seeing them face-to-face. If that face-to-face contact was really worth the money. And what did we conclude? Yes, definitely it is. Sometimes it's not. When I was doing the scrapbooking shows for the clothing that had like scrapbooking sayings on it. I was getting out of the biz and then I decided I'm going to do one last show. I'm going to close this out with a bang. I'm going to go out of business, you know, I'm going to close my business with a bang. So I went to one last show in Kansas City and it flopped so hard and so bad. And it really discouraged me. I was going out on a mega big flop. So it wasn't my dream going out on a bang for sure. 
but I realized, you know what, nothing is, nothing is, I can't plan on going out on a bang, you know, I have to take it for what it is and make the best out of it. So I ended up selling my excess inventory to boutiques out of mega, mega clearance and scrapbooking stores and things like that. I just basically hustled my way to close out the best that I could because the trade show route wasn't what I was going, what I thought it was going to be. And that seriously was just, you know, it was just that particular show, that particular time. So it, it's hard to draw a conclusion on just one event, but that one-on-one personable selling definitely makes a difference. So I think there's something to be said there when we're talking about what you're, what you're trying to do. So are you trying to sell? Are you trying to get email addresses? So this can work also at in-person events. So a perfect example, again, we're not talking about product because me and I are a little bit more in the service industry in the way of the product boss and our masterminds. But at Magic Sourcing, we went there. I did the same presentation that I just did last week at the LA Textile Show. But our goal, our focus was we gave away free 15-minute consultations during the trade show. Yeah, I had our email address up there. I had listened to the podcast, all of that. But we gave away those consultations. That was sort of, that was our funnel. We wanted to bring them in because we were filling our mastermind and and working on strategy sessions because we work one-on-one with people that worked. People signed up. We took what, 17 meetings in 48 hours. And then we ended up booking business. Let's cut to a few weeks later. I went by myself to Los Angeles for the LA textile show. I presented the same seminar, but at that point I wasn't sitting around and giving free consultations. My goal at that point was to get email addresses. So what I did was I offered leave your email address and I will send you this presentation for for free, easily into your inbox. Don't even worry about taking pictures. Just sit here, enjoy it, and then you're going to get it. And so I got 65 email addresses. So there were two goals with the same presentation. Two, like I was being visible. I'm increasing my visibility. I was at these live events, but I had two purposes. One was making money in the way of we got people to sign up for our mastermind. So that obviously brought money into our business. The second one was outreach. So now that I've got these 65 extra people that I, that I know they now know, like, and trust me, hopefully, because they had the presentation and I've had so many downloads now on that presentation. So if they find that useful, then the next thing, the next time I end up in their inbox and they keep finding me useful or helpful, then they might then buy, if let's say the third or the fourth email, I decide to try and sell them something. Yeah, for sure. So you know, thinking about that, it all is about the visibility. That's what it comes down to. So no matter what your kind of call to action is, whether it's to your your goal, whether it to, you know, hey, sign up for my email or sign up for a free consultation, it all is about the visibility and put, putting yourself out there and really knowing your sales pitch. And that's whether or not your service or your product, you need to know your sales pitch and make yourself more visible every single time you're giving that sales pitch. So the next one is one that I'm sure people will shudder at, but it is making cold calls. Good old making cold calls. Ring, ring. (laughs) (laughs) I know that this sounds horrible and that maybe you think that people don't do this anymore, but they do. And it's actually cuts through the clutter immediately. So this is more effective when you're going business to business because obviously there's open hours. So when I first started Little Labels, I cold called camps. 
to try to get into camps through the director. I would cold call daycares. Daycares, let me tell you, don't cold call them. They are busier than anybody on this planet and they just did not have the time to listen. But the camps, I mean, it was pretty good. I got a lot of feedback. I could be cold calling nursing homes for my clothing labels, anything like that where you're sitting down and talking to them and there's never just like there's not a wasted connection. There's never a wasted conversation. It is hard, but I came at it with a direction of, you know, hi, my name is Mina. I just started a business. I was wondering if you could chat with me for a little bit and see if I can help help your camp in any different way. Um, I wasn't sure if this product would really fit with what your needs are. Something like that where you're just, you're having a conversation. If they're busy, obviously let them off the phone. You're not Mediacom trying to sell them a package, you know, so. So, I mean, this is true in so many ways. So whether you are, Okay. So let's just, let's just move backwards. When I first got my showroom, because I've with Cuffs Couture, I went the traditional route. So I created a line and I made line sheets and I went to a showroom to try and represent me. They were my representation the same way that an actor has an agent. And then they would take me to the stores because they had shortcuts to these stores, right? So they were able to basically call the owner of whatever it is, Intermix or the buyer, whoever it was and say, Hey, I've got this new line. We love it. We know you're going to love it. We're having such great response. It's that no like trust, they're going to buy it. But let me tell you how I got that showroom. I was there for a sample sale, walked in, was wearing my cuff and the buyer or the girl who worked there was actually, her name was Lauren. She worked there and she said, oh my God, I love that. What is that? Because I pulled my money out to pay her with it. And I was in an accessory showroom. And so I told her, I was like, oh, this is Cuffs Couture. I'm actually looking for a showroom because I had been in other ones and they weren't working well for me. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, great. Can I, she's like, you should pitch that to the owner of the showroom. So I said, great. Can I have her email address? She's like, email's not going to work. She gets so many emails daily of people pitching their product. She's like, if you want her to look at anything, you need to bring in a line sheet, like personally bring it in and bring in a sample. So I went, I put the line sheet together, got the samples, brought it back. I got the showroom. And so it would be the same way, whether you're trying to get a showroom or you're trying to get a store, they're getting inundated with emails and line sheets. Take a look at my line sheet or take a look at my product. But if you've got the ability to call and chat with them or go in, because some of these store owners are actually still working in their store or meeting the sales rep or the, the sales girl, the sales guy and making friends with them and seeing like, and talking about your product and they all get really excited about it. And then they'll talk about you to the owner because ultimately in the end, the sales rep, the, the, sh- the person on the floor working directly with the customers, they're going to be your key person to selling. So right now, if you have a store list and you can go on and you can just cold call and say, Hey, I've got this, this, you know, new line, I'm trying to pitch it or however you want to explain it to them. Then follow up with, I'd love to email you the line sheet. They're then, if they're interested, they'll give you their email address. You'll email the line sheet and then you'll do a follow-up and perhaps you do a follow-up phone call. Hey, did you get it? And you make sure that they opened it. You could also follow up with emails, but that, that one-on-one because that's, people aren't doing it anymore. Like millennials aren't even picking up the phone to call each other. They just text each other. So you are going to stand out by putting in some talk time. Yeah, for sure. And shout out to Natalie Actel of Biz Chicks Podcast. The fortune is in the follow-up. Did you listen to that episode? I did. (laughs) So she just talked about the fortune is in the follow-up and that is with product or service. So the fortune is in the follow-up on all these you know, places that you're calling, you need to follow up with them, whether it be, whether it be an email, but emails are easy to ignore you guys. So just pick up the phone call and a lot of times they'll do it to be polite and they'll chat with you. 
but you never know. You might say something that hits with them and they might like it. So they just, the fortune is in the follow-up for sure for this too. And cold calling is scary. That's why not a lot of people do it. So if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So this is your advantage right there. It's hard. Just, you know, the way that I was doing it when I was cold calling is I only allowed myself uh, five phone calls a day. It is energy draining and you have to work it into your days because with me talking one-on-one with somebody was so hard because I'm such an, an introvert in that way. I'm an, an introvert with extrovert skills is what I like to say. So when I'm at a trade show, I'm cool with it. I can chat it up, you know, because that person's in front of me. Being on a phone call is very different. You don't know that person. They can't see your body language. They can't see your, they can't get your vibe any of that stuff. So it does take a lot of energy when you're talking to them. But if you're, like we said, if you're a millennial and you're behind a keyboard, that's just so much easier. Hence trolls and internet stalkers, right? You know, it's so easy to be mean and be uh, nasty when you're not face-to-face, you know. And it's easy to ignore people you don't know. Yeah. So if you're going to call, this is is sort of a tip I give to my clients that I work consulting like one-on-one with, but I would say, let's start easy. Like let's give your, let's give you some wins. Okay. So start with like 10, 10 key places you want to sell to like 10 stores, you know, your top, your top to bottom. And you could start calling first. You'll call and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to the person who makes buying decisions or do you have the buyer's information? Um, they might just give you the email address. You could start chatting with whoever answers the phone because generally it's a business. So it's not like caller ID where you pick up your, your cell phone. And you're like, who's calling me? Like, I don't know this number. And you just let it go to voicemail that you never listened to in the first place, you know? So you could ask where the buyer is and, and reach out to them and then do follow up calls to them, but find out. And then you could say, I'm going to be in your area. I'd love to come by and show you the product. Or if you're, let's say, pitching to an area that's not local, but I would say start locally, start in your town, start in like your local cities around you, start locally so you can access them. But let's just say you're going on vacation, you're getting away, you live in New York and you're going to Miami. Well, maybe you do set up some meetings while you're in Miami. So you can start cold calling and saying like, I'm going to be there the week of March 30th. I'd love to come by and show you your product. And then that way you can kind of basically take your vacation, mix it with work. It's a little bit of a write-off probably. And then, you know, you're, you're in a town or in a neighborhood that you're not used to, and then you can bring your product and show them face-to-face. Yeah, tack on a day for that. Do not do that intermittent into your vacation because it'll ruin it, <laughs> you know, because you'll always be in business mode and sales pitch mode then. So maybe tack on a day before or afterwards where you're just that one day is for business. Otherwise, your vacation will be taken over because it but is. Anything, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, but if anything, stay local. Start local. Uh-huh. So moving on to local, how about friends and family? Yeah, friends and family is not as, I mean, some people like even myself when I'm sending out to friends and family, I feel horrible because I'm obligating those people, right? But you can start with your real friends and family, but you can also move it to your friends and family that are actually your loyal customers. So Gap does this really well where they every quarter they send out an email saying, here's to our friends and family, here's 30% off. They're referring to me as my friends and family and I'm able to share that 30% off with my friends and family. So even if you have like 100 people on your Facebook page, your Facebook page, your business page, you can have those people as your friends and family and kind of, you know, move those people over as your friend, quote unquote, friends and family. It doesn't have to be your actual friends and family, though that is a great place to start is your actual friends and family. So I actually have a friend that works for the Gap Industries basically. And I get a friends and family discount from her because she as an employee 
in the corporate world gets this major discount. And so during their friends and family events, they also then have like these added bonuses. I think I get it once a year of like five items, 50% off or something, something crazy. That's like an added added. So if you're running a 50% or a friends and family event on your website, for example, maybe to approach your actual friends and your actual family, you could tell them here's an even steeper discount for you. So it's the sale is happening at the same time, but they're getting a specialized discount. But we were talking about this earlier because we were saying that my son, well, I was talking about my son having a best friend at school and they call each other best buddies. And so the other way is sort of also trying to cross promote between friends. So for example, I bought my son a t-shirt that said best buddies and I bought his best buddy a shirt that said best buddies from Target and gave it to the friend. If it was from a a smaller brand, for example, I then right there without even having a birthday to promote this for, to pitch it or to buy it, buy a gift. I just thought it was like really well aligned with like my son and his friend. And I thought it was such a cute product and it was like top of mind. I gifted it to the mom. Let's say it was your brand. That's a way that I've now extended your product again to a friend of mine that maybe she wasn't aware of it. And then she's now aware of this adorable shirt and she might continue to buy from that brand now. Sorry. Sorry that it was from Target. and It was really, really big, like a big company. <laughs> but either way, you could just think about how you, that could relate to your product. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, looking at it in a targeting in a certain way. So you're targeting it as for a, for more than one person. So two people like the best friends thing, or, you know, like if there was best besties t-shirt, I would definitely want to match with you, mm-hmm. you know? So like definitely targeting, targeting a specific, I wouldn't say group, but just, you know, a good feeling you're targeting a good feeling and then like being best, best buddies too. So then that moves us into sort of our last point of local institutions. So also thinking about how you can sort of reach out locally, reach out to people that, that, you know, and so I would say local institutions. Yeah. These are huge. Like this would be a whale, I guess, in gambling speak, right. Uh, where you're landing a whale. So you might be landing a school or a hospital or a cruise ship. You get one of these and it will be easy breezy. You know, I don't know if it'll be easy breezy, but it'll be easier for you to land other people, you know? So let's say you get into a hospital setting and you're able to get into their boutique or onto a specific floor, this is the Similac and Enfamil strategy right here. You get into the doctor's offices and even if you get into five, you're going to, you've got it good because you're in front of your specific target audience and able to basically go down the line from there. So my husband's on Broadway and they do, he's always like trying to pitch me like one day we'll go on a cruise to Greece because they're going to pay me to sing on this this boat, but there's Broadway cruises. So basically they'll hire certain Broadway singers or actors to basically come onto a show and perform. And so what you're doing there is that you have fans of Broadway that are taking a vacation together that are there because of the entertainment, because it's Broadway entertainment and they're, they're well-known names. Now imagine if you were to align yourself with that. It's maybe, Maybe it's on a carnival ship, but there's a sub company that's putting it together as like the Broadway cruise, right? There's like different ways of promoting. Maybe it's sponsored by broadway.com. If you, let's say, sell, actually, I've got one next to me right now. My husband was given this. It's a product called Scenery. And basically, it's somebody, it says, made from retired theater backdrops. Each bag donates a portion of its proceeds to take kids to see the theater. So if you want to see them, they're at Scenery Bag. So S C. 
E-N-E-R-Y bags. There's a shout out that they weren't even expecting, but he was given that as a gift. But let's just say you did that. If you could align your product with that cruise ship where people are fans of Broadway, they're paying for the cruise, they're paying to see this entertainment, and then all of a sudden they go to the gift shop and this bag is there and it might be from a backdrop of somewhere that they, you know, they're a Wicked fan and it was from Wicked, they're going to buy it. So that's that, again, that's sort of like that aligned customer avatar at oh, it's not necessarily a local institution, but at this bigger type institution that you're just, you're able to sort of cross promote and have it all there. And that's just because you're presenting the creative idea to them. There's a lot of people that won't approach that institution and be like, hey, you know, I was thinking this might be a good product for their, your new moms when they give birth. I'm willing to give it away for free for three months if you're willing to let me test it out. Then name drop time, you go to the next hospital or whatever, different labor and delivery floor, and you say, hey, I'm over at blah, blah, blah hospital, and it's doing great. I'm in theirs. Will you, are you willing to let me you know, do this for wholesale pricing? Something like that where you, you, once you get that first big institution, you're able to do so much with that and leverage that opportunity. This is how I got into corporations and businesses, big businesses, when I was a graphic designer. I, did, I got on one big bank. And then I was able to say, I have this bank as my client. And from there, they were like, well, this girl knows what she's doing. She has this big client. And so it's really, you're able to say, you're able to open that idea to them. Hey, I'm a freelance graphic designer. Can we try this out? And then they say, yes, you know, you never know. And then you're able to leverage that opportunity because nobody's presented to it to them before. Yeah. So either way, whatever you decide to do, and if you go, you know, traditional routes, or if you really feel like you want to spend your money on Facebook ads and whatnot, we just want you to just always keep in mind that you want to get, there needs to be a return on your investment, that we want to figure out ways that this is just going to focus on sales because you are a product. You're not out there just, I mean, unless you're just totally loaded and it's a vanity project and you just want to say you have a so-and-so product, like, oh, I mill like, soaps and, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just vanity. You ultimately want to sell. And so we want you to just make sure that things that you're doing do move that needle forward, that they do create more sales. One sale, like we said, that one Sparkle Hustle grow box turned into five. And I have no idea the people I gifted them to, how many people that they've purchased them for. And right there, it could go from one sale equal into 20, 20 sales from one customer. Yeah. And now you get to meet the owner in a little bit, <laughs> right? And it's just about really being creative with it. You know, this is not, this is pretty much the opposite of the Facebook ad strategy. Sink all your money in a Facebook groups, people or Facebook ads, people you can make so, you know, this amount of money. This is the opposite of that. This is work hard for it, pitch the heck out of it and make the right connections. Yeah, none of this none of this comes easy. And so I'd rather you guys use Facebook for these groups and these communities that are out there and and actually like linking with real people, whether even if it's just through chatting on Facebook and you may never call them. But I'd rather you spend your time and efforts there and finding the right connections and brainstorming and finding that group and community to support you through this and giving you these ideas than you taking money and testing ads. I mean, I've spent hundreds of dollars on just testing random ads. I have no idea what I'm doing. But by the way, that didn't bring me business. Like I've been in business for 10 years and I've been in business because I have been visible, because I have been a part of things, because I get out and talk to people, because I have a good SEO, because of my website and the effort that I've put into that. So 
there's those, those shiny objects, there's those like attainable things, but they're not as easy to get. Yeah. You know what we should do for an upcoming challenge to make everybody accountable is we should do a cold calling, cold calling challenge. Yeah. You know, find an accountability partner, cold call five people for every day for two weeks or something and see and, and track it. See, see how well it's doing. And then since you have an accountability partner, you know, that could serve as your person that's really pushing you along and helping you out. So we actually, you know, let's do that. So on our Facebook group, and if you want to find it, it's on theproductboss.com. And at the bottom, it says join our Facebook group, right? Or join our Facebook community. Yeah. Join our Facebook community. (laughs) I think. Mina built the site so she knows it all. If you can't tell from listening to us, I was like, Mina, what's our, so we already have in our, one of our masterminds right now, we have in one of the hot seats, one of our, our clients brought up that she needs sales. And then the other client said, I do too. And I said, you guys are now each other's accountability partners. So we're going to do that. We're going to post something on our Facebook group and hopefully you can find your partner there. And if you can't let us be that person for you. We're here for you. That's why we've created this community and this group. And let's do it. Let's do that challenge of what do we think? Five? Yeah. Five cold calling potential customers. And just remember, it, it doesn't have to be so specific. It doesn't have to be exactly the same for each person. You could shift it a little bit. So then you're talking about something different. It could be like, I know it's scary because then you're thinking, oh, I have to get into wholesale. I have to do this. No, none of that. You just are really just figuring out how you want to serve this one customer. So here's an example. Five people could be contacting, um, let's go back to that, like that breastfeeding product type thing. It could be reaching out to two doulas because one of the two, for example, you could reach out to two of them. You could reach out to one pediatrician's office Mm -hmm. and it could be someone that your own kids go to. I mean, start there, start with your friends and family, start with the people you know. So it could be them. It could be two doulas and it could be, maybe you've got a friend that's having a kid or like she's part of like a new mommy group and maybe she can do a little event at her house where she invites all her mom friends over and it's like cupcakes and nursing products. Could be like a church Sunday school thingy, you know, maybe not so much for, or something like that. You know, it could be anything that's so out of the box that is just really reaching one person. Yep. It could be pitching the product boss to talk about your product on here. (laughs) Whatever it is, you can just think of out of the things that we've talked about, think of, think of one way, at least for each topic of something that you can do to put yourself out there. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful, everybody. And good luck on your calls and we will do it with you. Yeah. And we hope to see you in our community on Facebook. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Loved this episode of the Product Boss Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We would so appreciate it.